You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You see, there's a number one prayer request I have in my life, more than anything else. If I could have one prayer request, it would be this one thing, if God would only answer one. And I'm thankful he's answered a lot more than just one prayer request, but if, if I could just have one prayer request, it would be this. If I could have one prayer request for my, my family, it, it would be this as well. And um, I apologize. I, I want this more than a home. I want this more than health. I want this more than hair. It's a little too late for that. Uh, but I, I would ask that you would pray for me because I really do want this one prayer request, and that is to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I would imagine you would want the same thing. If I don't have any other prayer requests answered, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The great thing is, anyone could be faithful. It doesn't take any special abilities, it doesn't take any skill, it doesn't take a position, anyone could be faithful, and I'm thankful for that, I could be faithful. But not only faithful, I must be a good servant if I'm going to hear, well done. And Jesus in this passage is talking about a good servant or a servant. And if, he's, if Jesus is talking about a servant and I want to hear him say, well done thou good and faithful servant, I should probably pay attention to what is said here. And so let's begin reading in verse number 7. We'll read down to verse number 10. Jesus is talking about a servant. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? Will he not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten, drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank the servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye... When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for loving us. We're so undeserving of your love. We're so undeserving of your goodness, your long-suffering, your mercy. And you show it to us time and time and time again. I imagine each person here and each person watching would want to hear you say at the end of their lives, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, God, I pray that you would help us all to take heed to the scriptures before us today. I pray that we would be good and faithful servants unto death. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Servants. Paul was a servant, James was a servant, Peter was a servant, Phoebe was a servant, God shows David was a servant, Moses was a servant, 
I think we all are supposed to be servants. And we, if we want to hear, well done, the good and faithful servant, of course, we want to be a servant as well. I, just sort of a side note, but to, to give context, uh, right before Jesus gives this illustration, the apostles, verse number five there, if you look down there, it says, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. So they're saying, we need some more faith. Well, why did they say that? Verse number three, basically, we won't take time to go through it, just a sort of a side thought, but uh, basically he said, if someone wrongs you, if someone does you wrong, forgive them. Okay. But if someone does you wrong time and time and time and time and time and seven times in one day, you probably want to strangle them. <laughs> but you should forgive them. And Brother Martinez, I forgive you. Uh, but uh, so that's the context. They said, oh, that's pretty tough. You want us to forgive seven times in one day? Increase our faith. But I think if we could grasp this, that's when Jesus, he basically says, okay, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And then he gives this lesson here. I believe if we could really grasp this, we could not only be good and faithful servants, but I believe we could increase our faith, which Brother Fenera preached about last Sunday. I believe we could learn to deal with people better if we grasp this lesson today. And you'll see in verse number 10, it talks about an unprofitable servant. So I'm going to look at characteristics of an unprofitable servant today, and then we'll be able to see what would be a good servant. The first thing, an unprofitable servant expects special treatment. An unprofitable servant expects special treatment. Look for verse number 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to me? So, understand the, the illustration here. This servant has been working hard all day in the heat. He's tired. He's sweaty. He's ready to, you know, to eat and to go to bed. But Jesus is saying, which, what, who, which of you have a servant? They work all day, and then they come back, and then they get to eat. Jesus is saying, no, they don't do that. They don't expect any special treatment. If we are to be servants, we should not expect any special treatment. The best illustration in my life, besides the Bible, would be my parents. And my mom specifically for, for this uh, particular illustration, but both of my parents really, uh, they just celebrated their 50th anniversary on Friday. And uh, just two days ago, 50th anniversary, I have the most amazing parents. Uh, they didn't want anything special, sort of like what we're talking about. They didn't, they didn't want us to pool the money together and go to Hawaii or, you know, send them off to Hawaii or something like that. They just asked, they said, we want to go to an Airbnb, like a, a, it was a very large one, but an Airbnb, and there is all of us kids, there's five kids, there's all of our mates, there's the grandkids, there's the great-grandkids, it's the grandkids' uh, mates, and we, all 30 of us, were in one house. It was a big house, and uh, it was just the best time. We loved it. And uh, we went to church uh, there in the area on Wednesday night, and on Wednesday night, uh, we were all going to ice cream afterwards. And uh, as was typical of what my dad would say, he said, okay, I'm paying. Everybody get what you want. I'll pay for ice cream. Well, it's their 50th anniversary. 
My dad's now retired. My mom is a Christian school teacher, so you could probably imagine there's not a ton of extra money floating around. And uh, so, but that's just how they are. They don't want any special treatment. It's their 50th anniversary, yes, but uh, don't buy ice cream. Uh, so, well, I knew how they think, and so I snuck up to the register and, you know, just snuck up and stood right by the register to make sure I was in position by the register uh, there when, you know, the battle took place. Uh, because I knew my parents. Well, my mom saw me, and, you know, I'm just, you know, just trying to be inconspicuous by the register so I have good placement, you know. Uh, but my mom saw me, and she said, what are you doing, Michael? Michael. Yeah. <laughs> she said, what are you doing? I said, nothing, Mom. Go get your ice cream. And uh, you have to understand, my mom is small. She's, uh, she had five brothers, and she's feisty. She doesn't back down from a fight. And so my mom grabs my arm, like physically grabs my arm, and she starts pulling me away from the register. I'm like, Mom, it's okay. Go get some ice cream. And uh, she's pulling me away. And uh, I'm like, Mom, no, I'm going to get this. She's like, my husband said that we are paying for the ice cream. I said, well, your husband is my dad. And uh, it's your 50th anniversary. Go get some ice cream. I pay. And uh, it's a good thing uh, that we had Apple Pay because I was able to tap to pay and, you know, I, I won the fight. But that's just how my parents are. They don't want any special treatment. They don't want to be elevated. They don't want uh, to, to get anything special. They, they didn't want a, a trip or anything like that. They just wanted to be with family and they, they don't want any special treatment. How about me? How about you? Do you expect special treatment? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting special treatment. We all like when someone does something nice for us, right? But do you expect it? Do you feel like, oh, I've been working all day, I've been toiling away, and, and now I, I'm tired, I get to get here, I want to just sit down, I want to eat, and I want some special treatment. If we're a servant, we can't expect special treatment. Number two, look at verse number eight. An unprofitable servant expects special treatment, and an unprofitable servant expects preferential treatment or to be treated like number one. And will not rather, verse number eight, say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. So think of this servant again. And it's a bit foreign to me, it's a bit foreign to us maybe. This person's outside, they've been working hard all day and they've been plowing the fields or working with cattle. And they've been working hard and they come in from the field, they don't get any special treatment, and now the master says, okay, make me something to eat. Excuse me? I've been working outside all day. What have you been doing? Uh, he's, you know, but a servant then has to get cleaned up. The Bible says, gird thyself, get all ready, and serve the master. A servant has to put themselves last. Uh, once again, I apologize. I'm going to illustrate with my family uh, because I believe I have the best wife in all the world, 
the best son in all the world, the best daughter in all the world, the best parents in all the world, the best family in all the world. You probably feel the same way, but I would debate that. But uh, I feel like I have. And growing up, some of you may not know, but uh, at one point, uh, my, my parents were on deputation to go to the Philippines. And um, it didn't work out. My sister ended up getting cancer. We were too long. The mission boards dropped us. I believe it was all perfectly in God's will. And it was for us. It was some of the best times. But we were, we were pretty poor at times. Uh, they were also in Bible college with a full family. And there were times that they were just poor. I remember, I think it was my mom and my dad would be able to tell me, I believe it was at least three weeks, it may have been up to three months, where we ate macaroni and cheese every single meal. Because they were super cheap, like you get a box for, you know, nothing. And I hate macaroni and cheese to this day, so don't give me macaroni and cheese. So, but anyways, we, we, there were times where we were poor. I remember on deputation, we would travel around. There was seven of us, five kids, and then my parents. There were seven of us in a 19-foot motorhome, so that's not very much space. And I remember digging through the couch in the motorhome to try to find change to put it for gas to go to the next place. And, you know, but those are some of my best memories, so don't think, oh, that was, no, those are some of my best memories, and I love uh, every moment of that. But I didn't really think much about it until thinking back. A lot of times uh, when it was time to eat, you know, there's four growing boys. There was my dad, of course, and my sister. And my mom would always eat last. And she would always make sure that we had plenty of food and we got our food. And, and she would eat last, but I didn't really think much of it at the time. But a lot of times she just wasn't hungry because... She wanted to make sure her kids were fed first. That's a servant. How about me? How about you? Do you look to be put number one? I deserve it. We hear it all the time. I deserve my right. No. We're just a sinner saved by grace. And we're just a servant saved by grace. And I'm so thankful for the example I had. Put yourself in that servant's shoes. You work all day. And now the servant says, it's my turn. Feed me. If you're a servant, that's your job. Go feed them. Put yourself last. So an unprofitable servant expects special treatment. An unprofitable servant expects preferential treatment or to be number one. And then, number three, an unprofitable servant expects to be thanked or acknowledged. Look at verse number nine. Jesus is talking here once again. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded him? I trow not, or I think not. Ooh, that seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? The servant worked all day. He was out in the field, he toiled away, he worked so hard, and then he came in, he served the master, he got cleaned up, he made sure the master ate, he, the master finally allowed him to eat at the end, and then he doesn't even so, so much as say thank you. But if you're a servant, 
You don't expect to be thanked. You don't expect to be acknowledged. For me, at times, and maybe you're not like me, but at times, it sort of rubs me the wrong way. Hey, I've been working. Did, did you realize I did all of this? I, I, I put all this time and effort. Couldn't you just say thank you? But if I'm a servant, I don't expect to be thanked. I don't expect to be acknowledged. My, sorry, last illustration with my family, but it is their 50th anniversary, and that's what I've been thinking about, and I appreciate my family. Um, my parents, uh, you know, they say parenting is a thankless job, and maybe it is. I, I have great kids. They're, they're one, they would thank me, but, um, they, but my, you know, the parents don't expect anything. My dad was, is Filipino. I don't know if you know that, but this half is Filipino, I guess, and this half is white. Uh, I am uh, half Filipino, so my dad is Filipino. And he, grew, or he was born in the Philippines. And at age nine, my grandpa, who was not my real dad, dad's dad, uh, but he uh, married my grandma, adopted my dad, and moved them to the U.S. And so, I thank God, at age nine, my dad came uh, to the U.S. and lived. My dad didn't have great examples with his family. My, my grandparents, I love them. They were, thank God, saved uh, late, late in life, around 90 years old, right before they died. And uh, we prayed for them my whole life, and I'm so thankful they were saved. But they weren't the best example for my dad. As a matter of fact, they weren't around a whole lot when he was growing up. So at age 16 or 17, he had some pretty bad friends, and at age 16 or 17, uh, one of his friends had this bright idea to go down and live as a hippie in San Francisco. Once again, thankful that didn't happen, but uh, that was the idea, and so uh, the friend, well, they didn't have much money. My dad was 16 or 17, you know, uh, and so I guess there were certain Chevy vehicles, sorry, pastor, but the Chevy vehicles were easily started without keys. And uh, so my dad and his friend would take one of those vehicles, would drive it as far as they can from Washington State down to San Francisco. Uh, they would drive it as much as they can, find another vehicle, which the same type. They would hotwire that one and then go down farther and farther. Not exactly the best uh, uh, thing to do. I'm not it. Don't do that. <laughs> but uh, anyways. Apparently, at one point, they were speeding because uh, a police car went up behind him. My dad's friend was driving. He was trying to lose the police and uh, wasn't able to do it. And he said, okay, I'm not going to be able to shake him. We got to stop it. We got to run for it. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so they slammed on the brakes. They stopped, and they started to make a run for it. And the police, of course, stopped behind him. And my dad heard as he was running, stop or I will shoot. And he heard it twice. And thankfully my dad's not an idiot. He stopped and uh, was promptly arrested and uh, went to juvenile hall. I say all that because, well, that was a low moment in my dad's life. And he wasn't a Christian. He didn't grow up in a Christian home, but he did, he had heard of God. And so 
on his bed as a 16-year-old or 17, I, I forget exactly what the age was, he prayed this simple prayer, God, if you're real, please change my life. God, if you're real, please change my life. And he did. About a day later, a couple days later, he saw an ad in the newspaper uh, for berry picking. And uh, up in Washington, there's a lot of berries, and uh, the teenagers would go there and make a little bit of money. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to stay away from my bad friends. I'll do some berry picking, and then, you know, I'll make a little bit of money, stay away from my bad friends. Because his mom told him, he said, you're a bad kid. I'm sending you back to the Philippines. So, you know, he had a little bit of incentive to, to uh, do right. And so he went berry picking, and that one day he was berry picking. He just kept getting berries, uh, getting hit by berries. But he wanted to, you know, not get in, in any trouble, and so he just ignored it, and the day went on. And the next day he went back out to berry picking, and uh, he just kept getting these berries uh, hit on him. And, you know, my dad is, you know, uh, he's not one to back down from a fight either. And so, you know, he took about as enough of it as he possibly could. And so he got some berries and he just squished them up in his hands, just really good, and made a nice goop of raspberries. And he snuck up behind the people that were uh, throwing the berries at him. You say, what does it have to do with anything? Uh, anyways, uh, he, he snuck up behind the people that had the berries. And uh, he, there were two heads, one blonde head and one dark-haired head. And, uh, of course, for maximum damage, he took the blonde, and uh, he smushed it in that person's hair. That person's hair was my mom, and uh, she uh, then, of course, she started chasing after him. Uh, he wanted to egg her on, and so he just sort of, you know, was jogging, and she was close behind or whatever. What he didn't see was a bar bar barbed wire fence, and... Uh, do you know what barbed wire fence is here? And anyways, it's like a, a wire with, you know, metal spikes. Okay, but anyway, so he didn't see it. She was close behind. She didn't see it, and he saw it last second. Tried to stop. She pushed him into it. He went over. Got stitches in his stomach and in his hands and everything, and that's how my parents met. <laughs> the the next day. Uh, he went back out there with stitches and was picking berries again. And as my mom likes to say, he's a glutton for punishment because, well, they got married and uh, the rest is sort of history. But God changed his life. My mom invited him to her home church. He heard the plan of salvation. He got saved. They ended up joining, uh, the, he, he was in the Air Force, and uh, they got out of church a little bit until two ladies knocked on his, their door. I'm so thankful they did. Bethel Baptist Church in Spanaway, Washington invited them to church, and now they've been faithful members there for about 47 years. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe a little bit more, but, or less, but nonetheless, somewhere around there. My mom will correct me with all the dates. I'm horrible at that. But he decided at that point, I'm going to do right. He saw what the world had to offer. And you know, 30 people in my family now can look up to a dad and a papa who did right. 
How about you? How about me? Is it all about my fun? I want to have fun. I want my way. I want what I, what I deserve. No, you don't deserve anything and neither do I. If I got what I deserve, I would die and go to hell for eternity. And so would you. But I'm so thankful I have a dad who determined that he's going to put himself last. He's going to do right. He's going to follow God. And I have a mom who did the same. And I am so very grateful. And my question to you is, are you an unprofitable servant? Do you expect special treatment? Do you expect preferential treatment to be number one? Do you expect to be thanked and acknowledged? Or are you okay like my parents just to be in the shadows? Never acknowledged. Never put up platformed or anything like that. They're just okay to be in the shadows. How about you? How about I? Lastly, an unprofitable servant expects to get by with the minimum. An unprofitable servant expects to get by with the minimum. Look at verse number 10. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. If you just do the minimum, and if I just do the minimum, what's required of us, we're unprofitable. I've had the privilege to teach in the college for over 20 years, and, you know, I've gotten those students that the assignment is a thousand-word essay, they'll give you exactly 1,000 words, you know, right? Uh, or, you know, if they give you that many. Uh, but, you know, they, they do the bare minimum. And God is saying, if you're the type of person who just does the minimum, you're unprofitable. You're not a good servant. If you just do what is necessary, what is required, what is the minimum, you're unprofitable. And so am I. I pastor in um, church ed when I was a, in a student here at Golden State. You ask everybody to get a mission statement. You ask them all to write a mission statement. And God helped me with this because <laughs> this was definitely not me. But my, the mission statement that I chose for my life, and I, I think about it often, is to do everything to the best of my ability and to the glory of God. I can't do it as good as other people, but I can do it to the best of my ability. And I could do it to the glory of God. And that mission statement, if you will, is sort of my guiding principle. And I try to teach it to my students as well. By the way, those students who really go above and beyond, it's amazing what they do. We've hired several of them after they graduated, like Ethan McCurry and Jane and uh, AJ is going to start on staff. And those are the type of students who do not just the minimum, but go above and beyond. And I just want to encourage you today. Let's be profitable servants. Could you ask yourself this daily? Am I expecting special treatment? Am I expecting preferential treatment? 
Am I expecting thanks or to be acknowledged? And did I do my best today? Or was it just the minimum? Today, these verses helped me, and I trust they'd help you today as well. Jesus was the ultimate example of a servant. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8, speaking of Jesus, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Maybe you don't have great parents that exemplified this in your life. We have the greatest example in Jesus. Let's live our lives as servants so we could hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.